It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. For three weeks now, we've been focused on 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Referring to Jesus, the writer said, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, the first teaching in this series, we focused on what it is to be living stones, being built up into a spiritual house, the temple of God, the place for the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. The second teaching last week was on our calling to be the priesthood, a holy priesthood. Now, this week, we're going to finalize the three-part teaching on what it is to be spiritual sacrifice, not only to offer a spiritual sacrifice to God, but to become a spiritual sacrifice on the altar offered up to the Most High. And I believe that's the highest expression of your love for God, to present yourself without reservation on an altar surrendering to His will, and your life becomes on fire with passion and purpose. It becomes on fire with praise toward God. And that turns you into a world changer and a history maker. In the Old Testament, it was so different. They brought a sacrifice to the priests at the temple. But in the New Testament, you become the temple of God. You become the priest and you become the sacrifice. And the last of those three is what we're focused on on this program. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul said, I beseech you, brethren. In other words, I beg you, I plead with you. And I believe he was that intense emotionally about it because he knew this would release them into the calling of God in their lives. This would propose them into a life of purpose and praise and power. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? That's a lot of territory to cover. But first of all, I want to emphasize our calling to be an offering on God's altar. In fact, in Isaiah 66, verse 20, there's a prophecy about the new covenant to come. And God said to the Israelite people, that they shall bring your brethren for an offering unto the Lord out of all nations. He was talking not only about the regathering of the children of Israel back to their homeland, 
but the new covenant era when they would become an offering to God themselves on God's altar. And it includes us because we've come out of all nations as the Gentiles who have surrendered their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Old Testament is full of symbolism that has been fulfilled in the New Testament. I think it's important to see that in that Old Testament economy, God's way of doing things, redeeming people, atoning for sin under that particular era, there were five kinds of offerings, a sin offering, a trespass offering, a burn offering, a meal offering, and a peace offering. Each one of those kinds of offerings speaks of something that you and I should go through in our journey spiritually in our relationship with God. And as we become a living sacrifice on God's altar, we're going to go through all five of those stages. Now, the sin offering and the trespass offering, of course, were offerings that were made by the Israelite people to atone for their sin, to atone for their rebellion against God, their transgressions, trespasses. The word trespass means to enter into territory that is forbidden. And uh, I'm sure you've seen signs, no trespassing on some yards or some plots of land. And that means if you go into that area, you are going into forbidden territory. And see, God has forbidden that we indulge in certain things in this world because he knows it's very damaging to us. It's certainly damaging to our relationship with him. He's not doing it to withhold something from us that would benefit us, but to protect us from that that would be devastating to our lives. But too often human beings are headstrong and go right into it anyway. Now in the Old Testament, they had to offer up a sin offering or a trespass offering. Strangely though, those two offerings were called non-sweet savor offerings or non-sweet aroma offerings. Why? Because it was dealing with the sin problem. It was offering up a sacrificial animal to atone for sin. And it was a reminder of the consequence of sin, that when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. And so when the Israelite brought that animal and sacrificed it on an altar, it was a reminder to that person, this is what I deserve. I deserve to die for the sins I've committed, but this animal is dying in my stead. It was not sweet. It was not sweet to God, and it certainly wasn't a sweet presentation by that Israelite to God. It was a very intense and heavy, burdensome responsibility to deal with sin. And translating that into a new covenant arena, I don't think there's anything sweet about having to deal with sin in our lives. Many people are at a very low level of immaturity spiritually, where from week to week, they keep going back to an altar and dealing with fresh sin in their lives and repenting and getting right with God and then far too often going right back out into the same kind of mess. 
and then having to go through the whole process over and over again. And of course, God is willing to forgive. God is willing to forgive, but there's nothing sweet about the relationship yet. It's a strain. There is striving between that person and God. It doesn't get sweet until you get to the burnt offering stage. That was the third of five offerings in the Old Testament way of doing things. The burnt offering has a very beautiful symbolic representation to it. Because when an Israelite offered up a burnt offering on an altar, that was his prayerful way of symbolically saying, I want to be that. I want to be consumed with the fire of God. Because when the altar was sanctified to God, when the tabernacle of Moses was dedicated to God, when the temple of Solomon later on was dedicated to God, in both circumstances, literal fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifices. And the Israelites were told never to let that fire go out. So they kept fuel on the altar so that the fire that consumed the sacrifices was holy fire. It was God's fire. It was heaven-sent fire. And when an offering called a burnt offering was presented on an altar, it was supposed to be completely consumed with that fire until it was reduced to ashes. And that would be a statement from the heart of the offerer that, oh God, I want you to consume me with your holy fire. I want to be so on fire with passion for the truth that it reduces me to a completely surrendered and submitted individual who is under the lordship of Yahweh, under the authority of the creator of the universe. That's sweet now. That's coming into a place of intimacy with God. No wonder the burnt offering is called a sweet savor offering. And what it represented is even more sweet. How sweet it is to God, how much God treasures those individuals who make that kind of commitment, sadly lacking in the body of Christ. I see so many who want the benefits of salvation, but so few who want to take up their cross and follow Jesus. And listen, a cross is not just having personal suffering in your life. A cross, if it's a reflection of what Jesus did, is a total death to self for the sake of reaching and helping a fallen world. How many Christians do you know are committed 100% to that cause? Well, maybe they're still in the sin offering and trespass offering stage. Because when you get to the burnt offering stage, it's 100%, not 30-fold, not 60-fold, but 100%, I am consumed with passion to advance the kingdom of God, to do everything within my power to make a difference in this world. And you do become a world changer at that point. You may not change the whole world, but you will change your part of the world your sphere of influence. I'm reminded of the fact that when the floodwaters abated and Noah and his family exited from the ark, the first thing he did 
before enjoying this new, pristine, clean world, free from all of its uncleanness and evil, the first thing he did was to offer burnt offerings to God on an altar. And something very powerful happened because the Bible said God smelled a sweet savor. Now, I'm sure Noah understood the symbolism of what was taking place. It was more than animals being consumed with fire on an altar. That was his way of saying that he and his family were now offering themselves and offering this new world to God to be completely consecrated to him. And at that point, God said, when he smelled a sweet savor, a sweet aroma, I will not curse the ground anymore for man's sake. And from that time forward, the seasons, summer, winter, spring, and fall were installed. And the harvest cycle was installed. And I believe prior to that, it was almost impossible to grow a crop in this world. But God lifted a curse from the entire globe because of one man offering a burnt offering. What if you became a burnt offering to God? What if I became a burnt offering to God? Could we not become the means of curses being lifted? If Noah could become the catalyst by which a curse is lifted from the entire world, quite possibly you could be the means, the catalyst of a curse being lifted from your family, lifted from your community, lifted from your nation, lifted from your world. Who knows where God can take you when you make that kind of commitment, that level of consecration to the purpose of God in your life. Jim Elliott, the famous missionary who gave his life trying to reach the Aka Indians and died at a very early age, said this, He is no fool who gives away that which he cannot keep in order to obtain that which he cannot lose. So if we give away our lives, we will obtain that that has eternal value. We give away something temporal, we inherit something eternal. And that's the purpose that is awakened within us. There were two other offerings that were also called sweet savor offerings, the meal offering and finally the peace offering. The meal offering was a cake, unleavened bread, that was offered on the altar. And that was a symbolic statement. It was a way of saying, I want to nourish the heart of God. I want to satisfy the hunger of God for fellowship. And so I offer him a meal offering. I want to be bread to him. Not just any kind of bread, but unleavened bread. Leaven speaks of sin. Leaven speaks of hypocrisy. Leaven speaks of false doctrine. It has many symbolic representations in the word of God. Jesus said to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Sadducees, the leaven of Herod. And all of those have specific applications. So to offer your life as unleavened bread on an altar is your way of saying, God, I know you hunger for fellowship with the offspring of Adam. And I want to be one of those who connects with you, that satisfies that hunger, 
where I commune with you daily. I read your word. I pray. I seek your face. I walk in your will. And God said, that's sweet. That's very, very sweet. And he smells a sweet aroma coming from your life on a daily basis. That's a spiritual aroma that fills the atmosphere wherever you go, because the Bible says you become like the aroma of Christ. Wherever you go, you fill the atmosphere with this consecration that is in your heart. It may be invisible in your heart, but it has very visible impact on the world around you. The final kind of offering was called a peace offering, and that was the only offering that the priests and the people could eat together. It was like sharing a meal with God. It was like feasting with God. They would feast around the altar in remembrance that they were now at peace with God. They've gone through all five steps, sin offering, trespass offering, burn offering, meal offering. Now, a peace offering was the statement that I can be at peace now. My mind can be at peace. My heart can be at peace because I've dealt with all the issues in my life. But more importantly, God and I are at peace with each other. There's harmony in our relationship. We enjoy each other now. We enjoy participating in life together. Isn't that what you want? And God said, that's a sweet savor offer. Now, it gets even deeper because there were three kinds of peace offerings, and each one is important. One was a thank offering. The other was a votive offering, which was an offering that was given along with a vow that was made. And finally, there was a free will offering. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time. I could (laughs) explaining each of those. But a thank offering was a peace offering you brought to God just to thank him for something he had done, just to express gratitude. And that's a peace offering. That's a sweet savor offering. It's a sweet thing when you and I, in this new covenant era, don't forget to thank God for the good things he's done in our life. Look back and review the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the wonderful ways God has intervened in your life, just bringing you out of darkness into his marvelous light, cleansing you from your sin. You and I have a lot to thank God about. In Old English, the word thank was the past tense of the word think. Now we don't relate the two words, but it used to be connected that way. The Old Testament word thank was the past tense of the word think. Just like you drink today and you drank yesterday, or you stink today and you stank yesterday in Old English. So you think today and you thank yesterday. Now those words are not related, but they are related. Because if we don't think, we won't thank. But if we think about how God has been so good to us, inevitably, we're going to thank him and express that. There were priests in the tabernacle of Moses that were chosen in David's day. He appointed them for the purpose of giving God thanks all day long. They were to offer God a thank offering in behalf of Israel. Isn't that awesome to be appointed just to give God 
thanks. That was one of the peace offerings. And I believe you and I are functioning on that level as a living sacrifice on God's altar if we fill our lives with fiery thanksgiving and gratitude, not just uh, a shallow kind of thank you, Jesus, but you really burn with gratitude toward him. That's sweet to God, and it'll produce a sweet atmosphere in your life. The second kind of peace offering was called a votive offering, an offering associated with a vow. And I believe when you get to that level of commitment in your life, that you may feel to make commitments on a level that could be described as a vow, a commitment that is lifelong, a permanent arrangement between you and God, a permanent consecration of your life in certain areas. That's sweet to God when you are that serious about your relationship with him. And then finally, the third kind of peace offering was a free will offering. It wasn't thanking God for anything he had done. It wasn't thanking God for anything you wanted him to do. When you made a votive offering, it was your way of saying, God, I will do this if you will do that. I vowed to do such and such as a prayer that you will move in my life in a certain area. But the final kind of, of offering, peace offering, was a free will offering. You weren't trying to negotiate with God to move in any area of your life. You just had a spontaneous outburst of love for him, and you wanted to express it, so you called it a free will offering because it was just out of the joy of your heart that you wanted to express your devotion to God. Praise God for that. There is a scripture where God said, and it specifically applies to the last days, my people will be a free will offering in the day of my power, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning. Okay, so what does that mean from the womb of the morning? It means when you have this mindset, when you have this heart set to just praise God because he's God, not because you want him to do anything, not because you're thanking him because he already has moved. You just recognize who he is, how great he is, how wonderful he is. He said, my people shall be willing in the day of my power. So there's a release of power when you have that kind of heart set. There's a release of power when you recognize God to that degree. My people shall be willing in the day of my power in the beauties of holiness. So when you have this mindset to become an offering to the Lord on God's altar, and you're a peace offering, and you're a free will offering, God said, not only will it be the day of his power, but holiness is going to be expressed in your life. You're going to joyously apply holy standards to your life because you're so in love with God. My people shall be willing in the day of my power and the beauty of holiness from the womb of the morning. In other words, he's saying that there will be the dawning of a brand new day when you have this attitude. Now, there's so much more that can be said about being a living sacrifice 
And maybe we'll go into that again in another program because I want to go ahead and end this one. But I want you to apply what I've said to your life. And that's Psalm 110, verse 3, by the way. It says, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power in the New King James Version. But in the King James, it says, your people, thy people shall be willing in the day of your power. But if you go back to the original Hebrew, the word translated willing is a word that is also translated free will offering. And so it means the same thing. And that's what God is calling you to do. That's Psalm 110, verse 3. Wow, what a challenge to be a free will offering, to have a spontaneous outburst of love for God every single day of your life. And I guarantee you, it will usher in the day of God's power. We'll continue with this, what it is to be a living sacrifice on the next episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.